I'm going to do my best over the course of this series, the next four or five weeks, to uh, really just share the vision that God has given to me with you. You know, what God is speaking to my heart about as pastor, as uh, overseer, as we're planning, as we're getting ready, uh, I'm trying to pass that vision along to you. And like I said, I need your prayers, I need your support, I need your cooperation, I need your input on these things. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of this series. I mentioned the, ser- the topics um, on our first message. I want to do it again. We mentioned, obviously, Bible preaching was our, our first core value that we went over. And that message is online uh, on the website. Today we're talking about authentic worship. Uh, what is one of our core values here at the church? The praise of God given, Bible preaching, the word of God communicated. Uh, another week we'll be talking about having a welcoming spirit. That's one of our core values. We want to be a church that has a welcoming spirit. Not just the word of God communicated, not just the praise of God given through authentic worship, but a welcoming spirit, which is the heart of Jesus shown to whoever comes to the doors. Also, uh, love in action, one of our core values. Not just saying, hey, we love people, hey, we, but, but, but showing it. Putting feet to our words, the hands of Jesus working through our community, through the people in our church, the people that come. Uh, and then also a stand for truth, the truth of the Bible lived out. These are just some of our core values that we're going to be going over. There may be some added. We may do a, another series after this talking about kind of our core goals, our main focus as a church. Uh, but really these five or six topics that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks are, are really where the heart of Coastline is. Today we're focusing on authentic Worship, that's the message today. We want to be a church. I want to have a church. I want to be a church that has authentic, real, God-honoring worship. So what is worship? Worship is, and I have the definition here, worship is a truth-based spiritual relationship with God that responds to God's greatness by daily dying to oneself uh, internalizing the truths of the Word of God and practicing faith-filled actions in Christ. That's just a a, a kind of a big definition of the word worship. Today we're focusing really on the worship that goes on in our service. The the time that we set aside as a body of believers to stand together, to sing, to lift our hands, to lift our voices, to lift our eyes, to to sing out to the Lord in in worship. That's what we're focusing on today. Romans 12 talks about uh, worship to God, about uh, our acceptable worship. It says in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he presents your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable service, your worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me tell you, you will not practice authentic worship if you're not presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God. It'll just be empty words. It'll be you standing up and doing what you've done, most of you've done your whole life. Stand and sing and hold a book or look at the screen or whatever it may be, and you're just going to be reciting words, maybe songs that you've known your whole life, and it's not going to be real to you. You have to be transformed, the renewing of your mind, and that comes through Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31 also says, Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Listen, anybody can stand in a building at their seat and read words off a screen and find some tune in there and sing in tune. Anybody can do that. A lost person can come in this room and do that. They could be a singer, come and read the words and figure it out and sing the song. It's so much bigger than that, church. It's so much bigger even, and this is something that I have to fight uh, uh, as, as pastor. 
it's, it's more than just singing loud. Listen, I came from a, a, a uh, growing up in a, in a wonderful uh, uh, churches and, and cultures, where, and I was a song leader for, for all the churches that I was a part of, uh, and, and it was all, oh, man, sing it out nice and loud. And listen, yes, there is something beautiful about singing out and hearing a group of Christians, a group of believers lifting their voice, and that's important. But may I not say, hey, you know, everybody's, if they're singing loud, that means they're really worshiping. It's not just about that. I've seen times in our church where some of you, man, you're not singing at all, man. You're just overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and you've got tears in your eyes, and you're, you're not even able to sing. And let's really worship. Why does God want us to sing? And, and we talk about worship, and I did a whole series on worship about a year ago and talked about not, not this part of worship, but just worship in our lives, in our daily lives, you know, and the way we live. But I want to, again, focus today on the singing part of worship. It's just one aspect by which we worship God publicly corporately, together, proclaiming his glory, proclaiming his holiness, uh, and, and proclaiming our thankfulness, our gratitude to him for what he's done, for who he is, for who he is to me, for, for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And you know, we sang it this morning, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. We sang, hey, where your love ran red, I'm in awe of you. Man, when you say those words, when you sing those words, do you mean it? Man, God... God Given us the opportunity, the privilege to worship him through song with our voices. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. You study that passage out, it's talking about worship. Talking about worship where we serve God acceptably with reverence. We come before him every Sunday morning in this room. We did it at the house when we were there. And man, we're lifting uh, our, our hands. We're lifting our voices in reverence. God, you're great. God, you're amazing. God, I'm in awe of you. That's how it should be in our hearts. For our God is a consuming fire. But what does God want us to sing? What are the songs that we sing at church? We, we sing, church, and you, you could go back to all the songs we've sung. Scripture-focused songs. God-focused songs. Songs that focus on the truths of the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 commands us. Uh, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Paul writing to a congregation, to a church, to a group of believers. And guess what we are? A group of believers, a church. And the same goes for us. We sing songs that focus on God, that focus on the truth of the Scripture. We don't sing our opinions. We don't, we don't sing just you know, what, we, what we feel, you know, just about, about the world. No, we, we sing the truths of the Word of God. We sing what God has revealed through His Word. We sang this morning at the cross. Behold our God seated on his throne. These are the songs we sing. Uh, we sing what God has revealed. We, th these songs are grounded and then they're saturated and, and, and with the word of God. And when we sing these songs, when we look at the word, whether we know the song or not, we're learning the song. It's a song we've known forever. May we look at the words and as we sing and as we read, may we, may we be riveted by the truth found in these songs that will drive us to real, authentic Worship our minds, the Spirit of God just come, becomes alive to us, and when we sing, that's what worship should do. So, how does God want us to sing? If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read a few verses and just kind of 
take some truth from the Word of God. How does God want us to sing? How does God tell us to sing in His Word? Paul writing this, church, this letter to the church at Ephesus, these group of believers in the whole beginning of uh, uh, chapter 5 in that letter, he's saying, hey, you need to stay away from this immorality. You need to you know, fo follow Christ and, and imitate Christ and imitate God and, as, as children. And, and he talks about all these different things. And, and in the scriptures there, he, he gets you know, all the way up to verse 17 before he gets here. He says, listen, just, just redeeming the time because the days are evil. He said, man, we, you got to, don't, 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 don't just go by the seat of your pants like, man, God has a plan for you. And God wants you to, to, to live a certain way. And he's telling me, cast aside all this. And in verse 18, Paul continues and says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So how can we see in this passage, how does God want us to sing? I'm going to go through these. And I did, I put some, some papers on the back, our pens. We had a bunch of pens, now they're all gone. I don't know if you took them home, but, but there's a paper on the back. Afterwards, if you didn't grab one, grab one and write it down and, and fill these out. I, I wanted you to have something to kind of take home with you uh, uh, in regards to our core values. And uh, so we're on the first part right here. We already read the scriptures there. I read them right there, be not drunk with wine. The first one, how does God want us? And we see in verse 18 that it says, be not drunk with wine, where is exit, but be filled with the Spirit. God wants us to sing spiritually. And I mean Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled singing. When we stand together, when we come through these doors on Sunday mornings, we come through these doors for our church services, and, and the music begins to play, and, and you're on our feet. Man, may we come to church Filled with the Spirit of God. May our singing not just be flippant, hypocritical, just kind of like whatever, like, oh, well, this is just part of the service. No, may it be Spirit-filled. May the fullness, listen, the fullness of the Spirit of God. I mean, do we really believe in God? Think about this. The, the Spirit of God in you as a believer, illuminating the truths of what we're singing about which are scripture-based songs, which are God-focused songs. Listen, revealing Christ in these songs at the cross. It's Jesus, the Spirit of God in us saying, man, just driving us to authentic worship. We need to sing spirit-filled, spiritually. And we also are commanded in these passages to sing congregationally. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves, addressing one another congregationally. That's what the scripture says. Listen, the singing that, that we have in our worship time is, is addressed to God, yes, and to one another. doesn't mean well, we're not, listen, what we sing to God, addressing to God is worship. It's worshiping Him. And to other, that, that's what makes it worship. The fact that we're singing to the Lord. But the fact that we're singing to be heard by each other as a body of believers, listen, that's what makes it corporate. Corporate worship. Edification of the brethren, of, of, of the family of God. We're supposed to sing congregationally. That's why we do it. We could, one of us could just come up here and sing a song. We get off to the music. No, we're supposed to sing together all throughout the scriptures. What else? We're supposed to think theocentrically, which means God-focused. Focused on God. The scripture says, speaking to yourselves, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Songs about God. Songs that are focused on the greatness and the goodness of God. Theocentric songs. The focus of our mind on God and the affections that we have of our hearts toward God. Listen, that should overflow in singing. 
That's why when we come into these doors, may we be overwhelmed at what God has done in our lives, what he's doing in our church, what he's doing in your family, what he's done in your past, what he wants to do for your future. May we walk through these doors, and when we stand, may we remember what we're singing about. And may the, 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 the greatness of God fill our hearts and minds, and with that comes this affection, this love, this this gratitude, this worship that says, man, look at all that God has done for me. The cross, man, behold our God. Here I am to worship. And then we sing these songs and, and let it overflow from our voices as we sing. We're singing uh, theocentrically. We're think, sing, singing earnestly. Verse 19 says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Man, we're singing just we're moved by what he's doing. It talks about giving thanks always for all things. In verse 20, unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're singing with passion. We're not just spectating. We're not disengaged. We shouldn't be. I mean, we come in carrying everything else, and we just kind of like, just, let's just get through this part. You know, I don't really like singing or whatever. Man, that's not how it should be, church. It's just not. You cannot stand there and sit there and tell me Man, this is just what, who I am. I just really don't like singing. That's a problem. That's a you problem. And it would be the same for me as I stand to lead a song. If my heart is in the wrong place, man, I'm not doing my job. And I'm not living in worship. And I'm not authentically worshiping. We must sing earnestly the affections of, of gratitude, of thankfulness. Listen, the mind is alive with the truth from God. In each song that we sing, in each song that's sung, we talk about thankfully singing. Yes, thankfully singing. Gratitude. God, you've been so good to me. You sent your son Jesus on that cross. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And I'm going to lift my worship. It may not be much to me. It may not seem like much. But I am grateful. And I'm going to worship you with all that I have. Worshiping thankfully. Worshiping selflessly. Verse 21 of Ephesians 5. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of of God. It's not about me. It's not about you when we sing. It's about worship to God, number one. And, and, and we got to quit thinking like, well, he doesn't really want to hear me. That's just, just forget that. That's not true, first of all. It's about him, worship to him, and it's about edification, encouragement to one another. Nothing encourages my heart more than when our church is just singing out what you guys do. But when we start to have people coming in, this church lost people. Maybe a believer that's mad at the church in general, hasn't been to church in years, they're saved, but they've just been backslidden. And when they come into this place, may our voices lifting authentic worship to God edify that person coming in that door, encourage that person to say, wow, hey, man, God does love me. God is great. I mean, I, I have forgotten in my sin and my backsliding, I have forgotten how good he is. And the song from our heart, lifted through our voices in worship, edifies. It's selflessly. We need to sing and worship selflessly, submitting ourselves one to another. So, as we're kind of rounding the band on this message on authentic worship, I wanted to tell us how God commands us to sing. And we see that in Ephesians 5, what Paul wrote to the church at, at Ephesus. We can take some great truths from that. I hope we remember those things. I hope you write, write those down. But now, let's, let's say, okay, now, what are some steps that we can take 
for authentic worship in our lives. Okay, we hear all that, yes, spiritually, congregationally, theocentrically, earnestly, thankfully, selfishly. We need to sing that way. So, so how can we do those things? What are some steps that I can take as a believer, as a member of Coastline Baptist Church to have authentic worship? Because I want to have that. I hope you want that. I hope that you sit there and say, man, man even next Sunday, I, I, I want to get back here and really, I mean, I've been kind of lackadaisical about it. I haven't really been all in. I've kind of just been pushing through it. And, man, I want to be real. What are some steps we can take? Number one is this, pray. I did this with my boys this morning. Obviously, I studied it. It would be foolish if I didn't. It would be kind of crazy. But when's the last time that on the way to service, or the night before, on the way to service, or before you come in the doors, you stop, maybe by yourself, maybe with your wife or your husband or your kids, and say, Lord, it's been a busy week. It's been a tiring week. It's been a hard week. I'm wiped. This, we had some frustrations this week, but Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm about to enter your house and you commanded us to come into your presence with singing and I really don't want to sing right now, but God, I need grace. I need strength. I need a filling. I, I, I need your spirit to just flow through me. God, would you bless our service? Would you bless our time of worship? Would you help my heart to be real? Help me not to be distracted. Help me not to be thinking about something else, but help me to be thinking and focused on you. When's the last time? That we spent time before service and prayed and said, God, would you bless my worship this morning? Would you receive my worship? Help my heart to be in the right place as we worship you this morning. And praying for your brothers and sisters as well. Help our church to lift worship to you this morning authentically, in a real way, grateful for what you've done. Pray. Get your heart ready for singing. Man, we need to do that, church. Every one of us. I did it with my boys. I said, boys, we're going to pray this morning. And I, honestly, it's a habit that I haven't had. I pray myself. I'm going to drive over to the bus service this morning. But I said, man, I want to start specifically praying with my boys, my family, that God would bless our service, he would, that we would worship him in spirit and in truth, authentically. So pray. What else? Praise out of obedience. Praise out of obedience. Psalm 47.6, guys, pretty simple. Psalm 47.6, sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our king. Sing praises. Pretty clear cut. 96.1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Church, singing is not a matter of choice. It's a matter of obedience. Singing is not a matter of choice. It's a matter of obedience. The Bible doesn't say sing if you feel like it. Sing if you want to. Sing if you're good at it. It just says sing. Praise the Lord. And it uses the word sing. It doesn't, you know, oh, I'm going to worship him in a different way. The Bible commands us to sing. So when we praise, may we praise out of obedience. Out of obedience. What else? Pray. Praise out of obedience. Push beyond your preferences. Push beyond your personal preferences. Listen, all of us no matter who you are, we all have preferences about songs, about worship styles and things like that. And we, I doubt that we can just erase those things. It just, it's just not how it works. Well, I'm just going to... No, no, we have styles. We have preferences. I understand that. We're different people. We have different cultures, different upbringings. But we can, even though we may have those personal preferences and they're not just going to go away, we can, though, decide to sing God's praises regardless of our preferences. Because if we choose not to participate 
in a song because it's not, we don't really like it? It's not really my style? Listen, we are making ourselves the center of an event that's supposed to be focused on God. Remember that, church. It's supposed to be focused on God alone, and yes, the edification of one another. But may we not allow our personal preferences. Listen, if there's a song that's being sung that's anti-God or unbiblical, that's different. I'm not talking about that. Because I can say, I believe 100%, we have not sang any songs that are against the Bible or that are anti-God or that are anti-biblical or unbiblical. No, they've been songs that lift the name of Christ, that lift the glory of, of God. So we need to push, by grace, push our personal preferences aside, especially, especially as we begin to open up to a community of people that may not know Christ. Could you imagine someone walks in and, and one of us is like, well, I don't really like the song, I'm not really going to sing it out because I'll wait to the next one. And we get a new, a new uh, uh, whether a new believer or an unbeliever that comes in and says, why, why aren't they saying, well, I don't really want to sing. We've got to push beyond that stuff. It's about him, number one. It's about him. So push beyond your personal preferences. What else? Pay attention to the words. This is, this is honestly, it's easier to not pay attention to words when it's a song we've known forever. You think, like, well, I know the words. No, but it's songs like At the Cross, songs like Victory in Jesus, songs like Great is Thy Faithfulness, which have been around for, for, for so long, and we know them by heart, and we forget the truth. Lyrics matter. The words matter. We don't, we don't want to just sing the words because we know the tune, but read them and think about them and internalize them. Man, let, let it, man, great. I, I tell you, there's one hymn that just, it just stirs my soul so much. Every time I sing it, it's great as I faithfulness. When we get to that last verse, pardon for sin, a peace that endureth. Uh, uh, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine, 10,000. I think about every time I sing that verse, I, I force myself. Because it will be really easy just to sing it, play it on the piano, on the guitar, whatever, and just lead it. Oh, let's sing. We know the song. But I every time said, no, no, think about this. I mean, I need strength for today. I mean, I need bright hope for tomorrow. And sometimes I'll think about situations in my life that, that are hard, that are challenging, whether it's church playing, whether it's raising a son with autism. And I think, man, I need strength for today. And there is bright hope for tomorrow. And man, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And man, those songs become so much more real to me. Whether I'm singing, there is a fountain filled with blood, or whether we're singing, you're a, a good, good father, that's who you are. Listen, the words can move me. The words should and can move you and make me want to worship him more and make me want to, man, I'll sing another song. I'm ready to worship. Man, he's real to me. So, so pay attention to the words as we sing them. Especially if it's, a new, if, it's a, if it's a song that you've known forever, yes. If it's a song that you don't really know, man, take time as you're learning it. Sometimes, I, was, I wouldn't mind if it was, we, we try to do new songs often to kind of get a, a good library of songs for our church. And uh, as we're singing new songs and you don't know it, man, just read the words. Don't even try to sing the tune. Just focus on the words the first verse through, the first time we sing it through. Maybe go home and listen to it. Say, okay, I don't know that song well, but I want to listen to it. I want to let it minister to my heart. Pay attention to the words. What else? Proclaim the gospel in you. Proclaim the gospel through singing. When we sing of him, when we sing of God, when we sing of Christ, we proclaim the good news with emotion. It should be with emotion that, that comes from deep within our soul, deep within our hearts. And listen, singing can encourage the most wounded soul and melt the hardest heart. The singing of God's people, the worship of God by his children can warm a heart. Man, you've, 
read the stories. You've maybe even experienced it yourself. You've been in a church. You've been in a building. When, man, the singing, the worship is just filling the room, and it just, it just stirs your soul. It stirs your emotions. You're like, man, God is working. God is speaking to my heart right now. And what we're doing is, through our song, we're proclaiming what God has done in me. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran red, my sins were washed white. I'm in awe of you. Jesus, we're singing. Here, here my hope is found. In Christ alone, my hope is found. We're, we're proclaiming the gospel, what God, the gospel work in you, in me, through song. Remember that as you sing. And then the last one in the steps as we kind of finish up now is ponder your privilege. Here's what I mean by that. There are Christians all across the world that have to praise silently or, or at least sing very, very softly because of the threat of persecution. We know that. We, and we hear it, and I'm not trying to say it to make you feel bad. I'm just, that's just the truth. There are believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, that if they just decide to sing out, they'd be arrested. Some killed. So as we stand in a free country, in a building that God has provided for us, may we remember, if we feel like not singing that day, I'm just really tired, or I'm just this or that, but you know what? And that shouldn't be our motive, by the way, just guilt. That, that's, that's not, but may we at least remember it. Say, you know what? There's people, there's my brothers and sisters in Christ that can't do this, that don't have this opportunity. So because of that, I'm going to use my opportunity to truly worship God. We, we, we have an incredible privilege to sing God's praises as loud as we want, <laughs> as much as we want, without fear. Without fear. We can sing with all of our minds, so may we ponder that privilege. Listen, the worship service is not just a place where the gospel is declared because it's declared in our messages, it's declared in our preaching. The gospel is not just declared in our worship service, but it's a place where the gospel is on display. That, that was at point number five, proclaim the gospel through our singing. People are going to walk through these doors, all three of these beautiful new doors that are up. They're going to come through and they're going to enter this place and we're going to have music. And we're going to have uh, worshipers and, and singers and, and people and, and instruments playing and, and worship of God lifted. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be loud. We've got a beautiful sound system. We're going to use it. And I want lost people and, and, and hurting believers to walk into this place and say, wow, Christ has changed these people's lives. And it's obvious. I can, before the message is even preached, I can just see on these people that sit in this place, that stand in this place, that lift their hands, that lift their voices, that lift their faces, that, that, that just weep at the worship of God, the greatness of God. Listen, the gospel may it not just be declared from behind the pulpit, from the word of God. Yes, may it be, but may it not be only here. May people see the gospel in you. May they see Jesus in you when we stand to worship. Don't be disengaged. People are going to be watching, especially new people, church. They're going to come in and realize, oh, these people are the ones that have been here because they know their way around. They're talking to the pastor. They know their way around. They, they, they've been here. And people are going to watch you. Don't be disengaged. Don't be just like looking around like, okay. Man, be involved. Don't be a spectator. Listen, there is a culture in a gospel-centered church in a church that is focused on Christ, that is Christocentric, that is it's all about Jesus. There's a, there's a culture in those kind of churches that is very disarming for people. 
people that come in, maybe they're afraid of church, maybe they grew up Catholic, and it's just like, oh, this is just going to be this boring mass, and really like, uh. when they come into a church that is focused on Christ, and the body of believers, the core group of believers, is focused on Christ, it's centered on the gospel, and it's, it's seen in the way we talk, and we're going to be talking about a welcoming spirit, but, but in our worship, and as we sing, and as the songs are sung, and in our hearts, and, and on our faces as we sing, there's something very disarming about that for people, like, oh, like, I don't have to really show off, or I don't have to compete, or I don't have to do it. These people just love Jesus, and, and they seem like they love me, too. I don't even know them, and they're just reaching out to me, and, and they just seem real. It's very disarming. Listen, the likelihood of an unbeliever hearing and believing the gospel when they come into this place is exponentially increased when you marry the gospel on display with the gospel declared. When those two are together, when the gospel, the gospel is always going to be declared from Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected, ascended on high, your only hope for heaven, your only hope for abundant life here on earth. The gospel will always be declared from this pulpit, but may it be on display in the believers sitting in the seats. When you marry those two together, the gospel declared and the gospel on display, man, the likelihood of an unbeliever accepting Jesus Christ and believing it and being convinced that, man, he is real and he does love me and he does want to save me and he can give me a better life and he can free me from addiction and he can bless my family and help my family, then the likelihood of that happening, someone believing in Christ, is increased so much when you marry those two together. Listen, I want to, as a church, I want to give you good reason to invite your friends and family. When people come in, I want them to be like, man, i got to invite my family here. i got to bring my family back. Some people will just come visit by themselves. A, a dad or a mom will come without their family and just check out a church. I want them to be like, man, we got to bring our family here. Hey, i got to let my neighbors know. They've been looking for a church. My coworkers, listen, we want to create a place by the grace of God, through the power of God, through part of it being our worship where people say, man, I want to invite people here. Have you ever been to a church? Maybe visiting, we're like, I don't know if I'd come here if I was lived in this town. They don't seem very welcoming. And they don't really seem like they care. They don't really, they're not really singing out. This is just kind of, uh, have you ever, maybe you've experienced that. Listen, we, maybe we not have a culture like that. So in closing, let's, let's just get real this morning, church. What, what does it mean to truly worship? We've talked about what the Bible says in Ephesians, and, 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 and listen, in Colossians, kind of a parallel passage, and throughout the Psalms, we talk about, we talk about that, we talk about some steps that we can take uh, uh, for authentic worship in our lives. So after all that, what does it mean to truly worship? It means that we lay aside our feelings, lay aside our preferences as we walk in the door, not just about a song that we like or, or a style that we like, but about even about what we, what we believe, about our lives at that point. Listen, oftentimes, church, you, you, you've probably been here, maybe it's just me, you walk into church on any given Sunday and, and, and you got attitude towards your spouse or your kids. Fought on the way over. Come on, anybody ever done that? You know, I'll raise my hand in solidarity. It's me, I've been there, you know. That's why I drive separate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I drive separate to turn the lights on. But, but that's happened. You come in and, you know, you... You come in frowsy, you come in frustrated. And like you put a face on, like, okay, well, hey, I'm fine. Hey, good to see you. How's your week? But you, you really come in frowsy and frustrated. We tr you try to open your mouth to sing out a song and worship as I get up and push the button for the piano and sometimes mess it up. And well, let's sing out together and we'll get my guitar out. And, and you try to open your mouth to sing and you find that you're completely scatterbrained and hurt maybe or tired or sad or broken. Maybe you're puffed up with pride. 
Maybe you're lying uh, uh, to everyone around you, or maybe even to yourself, pretending that you're not absolutely exhausted and tired and worn out and you're barely making it. Oftentimes, you know what we do when we come to church? You know what people do when they come to church? They fake it till they make it. That phrase, fake it till you make it. And they act like they got it all together. Church, we fake it through the songs, through the worship. We just sing. We stand there. We sing out. You know, maybe we'll put our hands together and, you know, we just, we're, we're like maybe trying, but we, we fake the song. We, we halfway listen to the message. We pretend we're fine with everybody around us after service. And we leave church being like, yeah, church was okay today. I didn't really like that one song. Message was kind of long. <laughs> That's not authentic worship. Because you know what worship does? Worship changes us. Worship, when we let it, works things out between us and God. When we come into church frazzled or frustrated or tired or whatever, in that time of worship where we are reminded of the greatness of God and His faithfulness that is so great and His mercies that are new every morning and we recognize our need. Man, I am tired. Listen, church, when we worship, when we sing these songs every week, do we really believe that he is worthy despite how we feel? Do we really believe that he is God? That there is a God and he's real, even when we're doubting? Do we believe that he's enough? That he's completely 100% enough for us, even when we don't see how things are going to work out? Do we believe that he heals, even when he doesn't heal our loved ones when we pray and ask? What do we believe? Talk about setting aside our preferences of what we believe. Man, what do we believe about God when we talk? We may not say it with our voices. We may we never say, I don't believe that God's real. I don't believe that he... But, but in our hearts, in our attitudes. Listen, what if we came into worship Sunday mornings as our true selves? Just what if? Let me just suggest something. What if you came into worship... Not fake it until you make it. What if you came in recognizing I'm sinful, I'm prideful, I'm broken, I don't, I'm not okay, I'm exhausted even, I'm, I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm ashamed, I, I feel condemned by the world, I'm overworked, I'm underpaid, I'm feeling unseen, I feel clueless, not knowing where to start. We can, all these things that we feel, we try to ignore, we try to push them aside, push them under the surface and look like we're doing great. What if we walked in these doors and allowed ourselves to recognize those things in our hearts. We can feel feelings. We can experience emotions and struggles, even in the house of God. What better place to acknowledge our need? What better place to recognize our struggle? God created our feelings. God created our emotions. And sometimes, church, you're going to come through these doors, whether or not you try to fake it or push it away, you're going to come in fully and honestly angry or sad or upset, feeling alone, feeling hurt, being anxious, being scared. And in those moments, church, in those moments when we are real with ourselves, when the worship begins, when the, when the instruments begin to play and the words come on the screen, in those moments, we must let God do work in us. We must recognize, yeah, it's been a rough week. It's been, for some people that are coming, it's been a rough life. It's been tough. It's been a mess. I can't seem to figure things out. In those moments of worship, it's a choice to say, yeah, I'll admit that, but God is greater. 
I'm going to worship anyways. I really don't want to. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm discouraged. Whatever. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my future. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my parents. I'm worried about whatever. But I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to let these songs, this time of worship minister to me. But, but it's not about me. I'm lifting my worship to him. I, I'm giving all to him. I'm making the choice, the disciplined choice to worship even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of the mundane. I'm going to worship him because he is good. And in those times, the spirit of God works in us. We surrender to him as his spirit and truth come forth through our time of worship. And listen, church, if we decided to do that, if we decided just to be real about it, and not try to fake to make it. Listen, it is messy. It is uncomfortable. It does cost some reputation sometimes. It does cost us to make, just make hard decisions. Trust when we can't see what's going on. Believe when we can't feel it means repentance, a turning, a changing. I'm, I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm not going to just come in and fake it till I make it. No, I'm going to be real. It's going to mean struggle. It's going to mean making life changes, breaking bad habits. It will mean work. What if we did that in our worship? That's real worship. Authentic worship cannot be manufactured. I have to remind myself of that. I'm like, I want to I mean, make sure I play this song perfect and, 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 and pick these songs and sing it out and I want to mess up the words and I want to mess up the slides because I want, but I'm learning and I know this truth. I have to fight against it. Real worship cannot be manufactured. I can't make you truly worship. I want to create an atmosphere that lends itself to, to you know, for you to be able to, to participate in real worship, but I can't make you. I'm, I'm up, it's up to me for me. Authentic worship won't be stoic or droll or just like slow and dead. That's not real worship. It's just not. Authentic worship has to flow from a heart consumed with God. A heart consumed with God. What he has done and what he is doing. That's authentic worship. Ask yourself, church, ask yourself, when you, when you finish your, even today, ask yourself this question. What am I offering to God each Sunday morning of worship? You look back, when you drive home today, think about, okay, this morning, was I, was I just spectating? Was I just going with emotions, or was it real worship to me? What am I offering to God? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Come before his presence with singing. What did I, what praise did I offer to God this morning? Was it just hypocritical repetitions of songs I've known my whole life? Was it, was it feel-good moments of self-motivation? I really like this song. Oh, I really like it. It really made me feel so good. Is it just these feel-good moments of self-motivation, or is it authentic worship to the one who deserves it? Real worship to the one, the only one who deserves it. We gave a purpose statement last two weeks ago for our, our first message in the series of Bible preaching. And I want to give you the purpose statement for this message as we close in a word of prayer. Coastline is a place where God is glorified, Christ is magnified, and the church is edified. We will worship from deep in our souls, recognizing our great need in God's greater grace. Church, I almost put coastline will be a place, but I'm like, no, coastline is a place. Coastline is a place. That's 
That's our purpose statement for this message, for our core value of authentic worship. A place where God is glorified, where Christ is magnified, where, where the church is edified through our worship, singing and worshiping from deep in our souls, digging deep, casting aside fatigue, casting aside struggles, casting, recognizing all that, but allowing ourselves to worship in the midst of it because we recognize our need and we recognize God's greater grace. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.